Good morning and welcome to Talking Books. It seems ages since my last live show. I was stricken by the horrible bug that seems to have felled half the population of Somerset in the past few weeks and only now do I feel vaguely back to whatever passed for normal. So it's good to be back and today I'm pleased to welcome as my guest Debbie Young who is a writer, journalist and reviewer. So welcome Debbie. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here on this lovely sunny day. I know, it's beautiful out there. It really feels properly like spring. Um, Debbie has sent me copies in advance of a couple of her books of short stories, um, including her latest collection, which which is called Quick Change. Um, what draws you to the short story, Debbie? Well, I've had, for most of my career, because I haven't always been writing, it was only relatively recently that I've given up the day job to, to write, um, for most of my career I've been working in public relations and marketing, and journalism, where I've always had to write to length and to a deadline yeah. on a specific topic, and the it's been a real art and a discipline to learn how to write to a very specific length. And so really, short stories are my comfort zone, because I'm used to writing at that very short length, and I'm building up to uh, writing a novel. In fact, I am working on my first novel now, right. um, sort of in the background, but short stories are my first love. And, in fact, that's always been the case. Even when I was, was younger, when I was still at school, I liked writing short stories. I didn't really have the same ambitions to write a novel. And uh, my first short story was published, I think, um, while I was still at school, in fact, in a women's magazine. Um, and then I uh, stopped writing that kind of thing for a little while and entered the real world 30 years later... <laughs> <laughs> came out of a career in, in uh, marketing and journalism and uh, I'm now very much enjoying myself writing short stories and doing other book-related things. Yes, because I mean, we, uh, we've talked about this a couple of times on the show because I used to go to a reading group called Reading Matters and we it was um, started by the Royal Literary Fund um, and it wasn't a book group insofar as you took a book away and read it and then commented. We had someone read us a short story, classic short stories, um, and then we commented on them and it was fabulous to learn what it was that made a really good short story because it's a it's an art form isn't it it's I can't imagine writing I write short ghost stories but they have to be quite formulaic for me and it's a real skill to write about ordinary everyday life isn't it in short yes, story form uh, yes and I think it is also quite an art to make sure that every word counts in a short story and to um, cut out anything that isn't really necessary to the story. I mean, I quite often find myself writing a story and I, I go through loads and loads of drafts sort of fine-tuning it and pruning it and I very often um, cut out entirely the first two or three paragraphs because I realised that was just my sort of little warm-up exercise mm -hmm. and the real story, the interesting bit, starts further in. So you have to also learn to be really ruthless about self-editing with short stories, which a lot of writers find very hard to do, especially when they're starting out. And um, I, you just have to have that discipline, and, and that's where the journalism and PR background uh, comes in very handy because in those days I was writing about things that, although I cared about my clients and my magazine, I, I wasn't, they weren't, um, I wasn't emotionally invested in what I was writing about, you know, whether I was writing a, a brochure for Walls Ice Cream or, or a um, leaflet for a hotel or, or whatever, you know, that I cared about what I was doing, but there wasn't the, my um, emotions weren't invested in it. Yes. Um, so that gave me the, uh, lots of practice 
and made me do it really a second nature to go through. The first thing after I've written the first draft is to go through and cut out what isn't necessary, be, be my own editor, be really, yeah. really um, um, ruthless. With well, the they do pen. say you should cut 30% and then cut another 30%. <laughs> and maybe you end up with a end up with a really pithy short story because yeah. that's what you have to do, isn't it? Yes. You have to yeah. really encapsulate that that moment. Yes. In about four or five pages because um quick change um contains some really short stories yeah. which are often described as flash fiction. Can you just let us know yes. what flash fiction is? Yes. Flash fiction is it's Great fun, actually. A lot of people don't know it very well, although a friend of mine, Callum Kerr, founded National Flash Fiction Day a few years ago, and that's, that's, that's actually how I first got into it, is through mm. Callum's work. Um, and um, it's, Flash fiction is a discipline where it, some people call it microfiction um, or very short stories, and essentially it's a story that is as short as can be, really. Some, usually they're between about 100 words and 1,000 words. Um, in, the, in America, they tend to be 500 words or under. Mm. Um, I've got a friend who writes Flash who sometimes only has a title, doesn't even have um, a, a story, really, mm. or has a story of two words that sort of... Uh, works with the title to summon up a fantastic image um and uh so i love writing flash fiction because it's the ultimate form of short story mm. really although to be honest i'm i worry about branding stories as as flash fiction because initially i branded quick change as flash fiction but i think that that put up a bit of a barrier to people who don't know what yeah. it is and if i just said well they're very short stories people say oh yeah yeah, yeah i get it you know yes. and it would be more likely to read it so so um Although flash fiction is great and I like to embrace it, I'm also conscious that it, it is something that still needs deserves to be better known. And also flash fiction is something that is very appropriate for the modern age when so many people want to read things on their phones, and their tablets, on the train, on the bus and that sort of thing. Because yeah. it's, a, it's a, a, a form that you can read very easily on a phone. You know, some stories will fit on the single screen of a, of a phone, of a yes. smartphone. Yeah, and you can read one just before you go to bed at night. Yes, which is what yes. I was doing. Yeah, you yes. know, I was yeah. thinking, well, right, Debbie's on the show this week. Yeah. I'll, I'll read them before, and they're just a nice length. Yes. for your bedtime cup of tea, and yeah, you, and yes. uh, to, to lay your head down. Yes. Yes. Um, do you do your stories? Well, I, I mean, I could answer this question, but obviously, I'd rather you did. Do they fit into any particular genre, or or is there a, 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 a sort of like a desire for variety in your work um i think they're sort of they're not really fitting into a particular genre and not aiming at a particular genre it's whatever um excites me a particular if i hear a particular overhear a particular conversation that gives me an idea or i see something happening somewhere that sparks off an idea um but i'm trying to marshal them into themed collections because i think that's much nicer reader experience if you've got like my my christmas collection you know that's quite nice and the collection i'm working on at the moment is all stories about marriage so it gives the reader um creates the right expectations for the reader because they yeah. know what the collection's going to be like. I, I always find it a bit disappointing when you find a collection of short stories that where none of the stories has any connection with each other. Yeah. And some of them might be funny, some of them might be sad, and you're you're sort of left like a ping-pong ball going all over the place emotionally because yeah. you, don't, you don't know what's coming next well, you and you don't know how to gear up to the expect the story. No, you no, can't. And you no. skip and you... Di- well, maybe mm. people like doing that dipping in yeah. kind of thing that's okay but if you are reading from start to finish it is as you say an uncomfortable read isn't yes. it i've read books of short stories where you think well 
I can't maintain that mood into yes. this yes. <laughs> into this next story. I mean, yeah. there were in yours um, that I particularly liked. I think I would have described um, quick change. There's there's a lot of real life and there's a lot of kind of body image stuff in there and. But, you know, oh, there's yeah, it, yeah, I and I, I, the the ones that I particularly liked were the alchemy of chocolate because the idea that one could put on a lot of weight and then wake up in the morning and have discovered a miracle cure. I'm not giving anything away because I think people <laughs> need to read that one. And Pete behind the curtain, which I also thought was lovely because you know there are times when one feels under pressure to mm. conform to a certain way of looking in clothes, and they do feel very real, like real life situations like you might have been in that changing room with the woman who was struggling yeah. to fit yeah. into well, that's probably me <laughs> yes. yeah absolutely so do you feel that you pick them up from real life situations oh, totally yes yes in mm. fact and, and I do try to evolve them into fiction but I think and and you always have the bit at the beginning um in the copyright page where you have to put this is fiction any mm. uh, it's coincidental if anybody recognize themselves in these books but but i think any fiction writer would be lying if they if they if they said that they don't draw on real life and and they don't absorb what's going on around them to fuel and inform their fiction um and uh and sometimes readers get different things out of the stories than i expect them to and the, the first story about the baby um that was very much based on my own experience so my baby didn't talk as a newborn as this one does <laughs> it's <laughs> very clever but not clever but I thought I'd sort of fictionalised it nicely and my dad read it and he said oh I see you've changed the names to protect the innocent then thinking it was straight autobiographical <laughs> um, but uh, yes and, and I love I've got the author's habit of observing people wherever I go mm. and sort of secretly writing things in a notebook <laughs> yeah you've got to have your notebook haven't you yes, yes. Yeah, it feels really weird not to. Um, have you got favourite authors or writers that have inspired you? Do you read anyone in particular or do you like to keep that very separate from your own writing? Um, I read very widely and I'm still influenced by authors that I read at school. I had very good English teachers at school who, and we we read a huge, huge variety of particularly uh, 19th and 20th century English and American authors. And so those sort of set me on the path to loving short fiction in particular, but to to fiction overall. But um, these days, and I'm I'm influenced by lots and lots of different people, George Orwell, partly on his political... Um, for his political beliefs, but also on what he wrote about writing. I just, mm. that that um, is always at the back of my mind. Um, but I, I read very widely. I read lots of um, self-published fiction because I work with the Alliance of Independent Authors, yeah. which is the big global group for, for self-published and independent authors. So I support my fellow authors by reading and reviewing a lot of their books. Yes. Um, but I also like to take myself outside my comfort zone. And last year I joined the Historical Novel Society book group, which Lucy M. Boyce, who you've had as a yes. previous guest, yes. she was she's running been on that. twice. Yeah, she's, she's, she's fabulous. fabulous yeah. but suffragettes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, her books are great, by the way. Her, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to uh, 
helping her launch her next book yes. um, in May, which I was I uh, lucky enough to read too. in advance. It's been, yes. oh, fantastic! Yes, yes. that's going to be a good night. And um, so I read lots. So yes, yeah, so I, I went to there because I was conscious that I wasn't reading enough historical novels. And I went there, and not only did I enjoy reading the books that I wouldn't otherwise have chosen, but I also became then became a reviewer for the Historical Novel Society's independent right. authors section. So I'm now reviewing for them regularly. Um, I. Um, because that the, what, what what I found interesting about um, historical fiction, because I've always thought, because I didn't, I thought I don't read historical fiction. You know, I thought it was about the Tudors and Anne Boleyn, and mm. and actually, <laughs> I read a lot of historical fiction because I like crime stories and oh, I like right. the old classic crime stories. Yes, and yes. Actually, that's historical fiction. Yes, <laughs> in a yes. lot of senses, it's yes. not your traditional, not your traditional Philippa Gregory stuff, no. but it's still historical fiction so I was pleased to see that a lot of that is still included one of one of the authors that I adore actually is Dorothy L Sayers I don't know if you've read her it's it's just wonderful Lord Peter Whimsey he's my hero one of the books I've read recently I don't know have you read any of the ones that have been um written by Jill Peyton Walsh following them up I think there's three or four of them now where she's continued the story and I'm always slightly nervous when somebody takes up the mantle of a a great author and and continues them because they've done it with Woodhouse and Jane Austen and so forth have. But actually, she's done it really, really well. Oh, I'll, I'll have to send you. I'll send you a reading list afterwards. Some of these yes. books to recommend because Absolutely. They're, they're really good. Yeah, I think I think that the um, uh, things with historical fiction is that the the way to success. Well, I think it's my view that I always feel like I've um, if I've actually been. I've been reading Linda Stratman, who I think works for the uh, writes for the Mystery Press, but they've got an element of feeling like they were mm. independently published mm. about them. Mm. Um, is that you really feel that you're in the period because sometimes historical fiction feels a little bit like it's 21st century stuff dumped back into the 17th, 18th century and I don't, I can tell quite quickly if I'm not going to enjoy it very Mm. much Um, and I think, you know, it's the same I don't know if anybody here watched um, anybody listening watched The Ark recently which was about the story of Noah. It was on BBC One. Well, frankly, it was a bit like 21st century stuff, <laughs> transported back, mm. and I found it deeply disappointing. Yes, it might as well have updated it. Like. No, and I think that's sometimes historical fiction can yes. slip up in that way. Yes. Do yes. You think? Yeah, it just breaks the spell when you've got yes, some people having inappropriate emotions and not, not being in the mindset of, that would have been appropriate for that kind of character. You know, five hundred years ago or another, or making and making the effort to find out the language yes, and the yes, the phrasing. Yeah. That would There's be a fine used. balance between having appropriate um, vocabulary for the era that you're writing mm. in and going over the top and having all these thous and prithees and all this sort of thing, which just then into breaks yeah. the spell in a different way because mm. it just sounds too contrived. And um, I, I don't think I could ever write historical fiction. It's, it's, it's quite I difficult. Take my hat off to people who yes. pull it off well, as Lucy yeah. N does. Another one that you'd like, actually, is um, Alison Morton, mm-hmm. who has, she's just about to publish her fourth in a series of alternative history stories set in this um, world called Roma Nova, which assumes that it's kind of a cross between um, a historical novel and a crime story, in that it assumes that um, the Roman Empire. When the Roman Empire fell, the Roman government continued and set up a separate state. 
Right. And uh, it's a it, there's a it's a matriarchal society. So there's this wonderful heroine um, who goes through various adventures and things. But yes. uh, there's um, there's four in that series. Fourth one's about to come out, and I loved the first three. So I can't wait. For, it's always good to discover a series. I think yes. where you know yes. that there's another one coming out. Yes, and just I keep know. Going. It's the same with Linda Stratman. I've read them all, and I'm mm. friends with her on Facebook. I'm going quick. Finish the next one. I really <laughs> want that. It's wonderful, isn't it, to yes. have a series? Yeah. Um, would you like to read one? of your stories just to give us a flavour of the sort of things that you can expect from a from a Debbie Young short story right okay Um, Um, the one that that, uh, I think we agreed before is is one of the very one of the shorter ones mm. and it's called The Mutton and the Lamb the sequins spelling out Justin Bieber across the woman's crop top are in a shade of silver that exactly matches her hair but this dubious fashion statement is lost on the two teenage girls who are staring at her from within the cosy confines of the bus shelter. Their gaze is transfixed by her bare white, blue-veined thighs. Combined with the scarlet miniskirt, the effect is that the components of the Union Jack are waiting to be properly assembled. Stumbling on two tight wedged-heeled red sandals, she approaches the bus stop. The darker of the girls, pulls a tasteful lavender lavender cashmere wrap more closely about her shoulders, although it is not cold that has made her shiver. The woman judders to a halt before them, as if she's inadvertently put her shoes into neutral. From behind bifocals, she flashes a smirk at the cashmere girl. So, darling, now you know how it feels when someone borrows your favourite clothes without asking. Glancing sideways, the teenager clocks her companion's dropped jaw. Then she sighs and peels off the lavender wrap. Okay, Mum, I get the message. Now, for God's sake, go home and put your own clothes on. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> Apart from the fact that my daughter would probably never borrow my clothes. She'd nick my handbag. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's the sort of revenge a lot of people would like to get. <laughs> Be the ultimate embarrassing parent. Thank you for that. Um, the... the um, the uh, things about you being a reviewer, I was really mm. interested in because you were saying then that you review for other self-published authors, and mm. I just wondered how easy it is to be objective. How difficult? Because sometimes people have asked to come on this show and they've sent me some of their work, and I've mm. thought I'm not sure whether I can sit across and comment because I can't. I hate pretending that I like yes. somebody's work. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it's, yes. It's insincere and. It, people can tell so if you're reviewing for somebody how how do you manage to get that balance of of constructive and supportive well i i'm naturally a very diplomatic person and um i think that also comes from having been in pr for 30 mm-hmm. years you know i'm good at yes. wrapping up uh, uh, painful truths um and i always try to be constructive i if i really don't like a book and i can't and the only review that I would could post would be to absolutely trash it, then I won't post it. Oh, right. I will instead email the author with a um, constructive suggestion, a list of constructive suggestions of how it could become a better book. Mm. Um, so I present myself as being sort of a coach rather than um, a judge. And yeah. because I work, I think I... I that works for me and they accept it from me because of the other work that I do, which is editing the author advice blog for yeah, the Alliance right. of Independent Authors. Mm. And I also write uh, self-help books for authors um, and run a blog for authors as well. So 
I they realise that I'm not just some random person in the street reviewing, but I do know my stuff. Mm-hmm. And because I've got hundreds of reviews that I've done, um, I've got some sort of authority and credibility. But I think also because I am an author, I know, I know what it's like to receive a review. That also um, colours what I say mm-hmm. because I know what it would be like to be on the receiving end. And I might think in my head, God, that's an awful book. But I wouldn't say it to somebody because I know how much that would hurt me. So I, take, yes. I slightly take the thumper, thumper approach as well. And that if you, know, if you can't say something nice, then don't say don't nothing say at all. Don't say anything at all. <laughs> yeah. I think that's very much the the best way when Mm. writing a review because if people ask me to review on Amazon for example when I've been sent copies of books and I haven't enjoyed it if you still feel guilty just giving something three stars don't you really on Amazon I hate the star system that's why I've set up my own blog because because people use the stars in completely different ways and also people make mistakes sometimes and I've I've seen books with given a one star review where the review has been glowing and they've just hit the wrong button and thought that one is better than five you know they're somebody who doesn't yes. review very often or they've just yeah. slipped on the buttons you know it's easily done so that's why I've set up my own book blog which has only got a few reviews on at the moment when I've got time I'm going to um, move all my reviews over to there so that yes. I can put them there and also say things that you're not allowed to say on Amazon um, and and bypass the star system but that's got to wait until I've got my all my other things out of the way that are coming up over yes, the next so couple of weeks busy. Busy you are weeks really coming up. busy yeah, yes. I, I think, you know, when you look at your website, do you want to give us just the, the, the details of your website so that uh, people yes. can go and... Yes, my author website is www.authordebbyyoung.com. I've also got uh, www.hulitfest.com, which is for the Hawkesbury Upton Literature Festival, which right. I'm running on the 23rd of April in my home village of Hawkesbury Upton in Gloucestershire. Wonderful. A free festival for everybody. Everyone's welcome. Well, I mean, they say if you want something done, ask a busy person. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, you are a very busy person. Um, I mean, you're writing non-fiction too. I mean, it's it's not just... You write on other topics completely, don't you, that are... Or um, a couple of medical... Yeah, um, diabetes, type 1 diabetes, which affects my husband and daughter. So I write about both of those as a campaign raising, um, awareness raising and fundraising, All all the... um, income from that book goes to diabetes research and I'm also a, a speaker for the diabetes JDRF charity oh, right. so if anybody wants me to come and speak to their local group about type 1 diabetes just let me know always happy to do that for yeah. JDRF because the the, um, the sense you get from your website is that you are somebody who just enjoys being part of this big writing community I do. I do. and um, well, you must do because obviously being involved in all these other organisations, but being part of a big writer community—it's it. important, yeah, isn't it? Actually, it is. to have a writerly community. Yeah, there's never been a better time to be a writer with yeah. the facilities for self-publishing so easy, for the networking um, opportunities through Facebook, um, the Alliance of Independent Authors is bringing together writers all around the world. So I've now got writer friends, um, literally all around the world, all every continent, world. Yeah. Um, all working together to share best practice, um, help each other make our books the best that we can be it's very very exciting time to be a part of all of that and I feel very privileged to 
to be uh, involved in the in the management team running the alliance as well, which yeah, is fantastic. It's fabulous. Well, I'm off to a writing retreat next oh, weekend lovely. with Lorna. Do you, you don't know Lorna Ferguson? I suppose. I do. Yes, do she's you? a member of the alliance. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So lovely Lorna. Is. is this one at St Ives? Yes, <gasps> I'm off to oh, St Ives next weekend. I see that one for a writing retreat. Oh. Um, at, that was a real trip. I've known Lorna for a long time. She came to mm. the launch of my book last year, and oh. I thought well, I'm going to treat myself. I want to get back into fiction, and oh. I've written non-fiction for. Such yes. a long time, yeah. and I, I've forgotten how to write fiction. Retreats, retreats are fantastic. I went on one yeah. in Ithaca last year, which Ooh. was lovely. Which I, was, I was, went there as a, as a speaker to talk about yes. self-publishing, um, and it was just wonderful. But the St Ives one, I've got my eye on. I quite fancy that yeah, one. And in fact, she's written a post about retreats on the Alliance of Independent Authors she has, blog yes, recently. I've read it. Yes, why did you go there? Yes, yes. yes. fabulous. One. Fingers crossed so, for the weather. Oh, but yes. no matter. Have fun. Just Enjoy. Be. Yes. Oh, I'm sure those words will be flowing. Fingers crossed, eh? <laughs> anyway, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Um, uh, we could talk for hours. These things always, the time always zips by. Um, and you have chosen, uh, are we ready to go on that one, Anton? Um, you have chosen a song to end with. Do you want to introduce it? Yes, um, it might be a little bit obvious, but I would love to have Paperback Writer by The Beatles, please. Thank you very much. Brilliant choice. Paperback Radio for the 10 parishes on 105.3 FM, or you can hear us on the web at 10radio.org. 10 radio.
And many thanks to Susie Grogan for um, that lovely talking books. Uh, Debbie Young.